I also greet you in Jesus' name, and you can turn to Ecclesiastes 9 and 10, if you will. I was blessed this morning already by the Sunday School discussion. A couple thoughts here at the onset. Uh, For your gifts to the church for last year, uh, th- there was amounts are in the mail. Having we're having a bit of a struggle with QuickBooks. If you find there's a discrepancy, just change it on your sheet and then let me know. We're going to be gone for a couple weeks here. Uh, we're going to a buying show in Atlanta and then to Sarasota for a little and another show down there and then we'll be back. But. I don't want to hold anybody up if you're doing your end-of-the-year taxes. So if we've been struggling and we tried to confirm everything and we think we're right, but uh, always there's one or two that we missed something that was classified in the wrong week or something like that. So uh, Also on that, we're looking at two numbers on your envelopes, 440 and 886, that we don't have a name uh, to those two if you... Want it that way, you don't have to get in touch with it. But if you want uh, a receipt for your gifts to the church, uh, just make us aware of what name belongs to 440 and 886. And if you don't receive one and you hope you check your number, and that might be the case there. So how are your New Year's resolutions going? I saw a sign up in town and said... Something like this, and I'm butchering the saying, but the promises that God made to us are more important than your New Year's resolutions. They don't waver or he he doesn't backtrack on them. And that was a good thought to me there. Uh, Last week, we were heading from Plain City to Lancaster County to be at a meeting Sunday evening in Lancaster County, and we listened to Todd's message real time as we crossed the hills there by Pittsburgh. And I can say amen to everything that was shared, and we so need that reminder, I so need that reminder to have joy and the strength that we have. It's like a cowboy without a hat, a Christian without joy. Or it's even bigger than that there, and I was just so blessed by it. And I was so blessed by being able to listen to it real time. There was a couple times where our our reception was bad, so you dropped out, and then we right away called back, and we got. And it was like it never stopped. And so, if we as speakers kind of get bogged down, it's probably because somebody's phone dropped out, and and maybe what we have to say, somebody needs that's traveling. But it was so neat that we just. Caught on, and there we were again. In there, and amen to the to the message of joy. You know, as I looked at news, um, news is so. Uh, uh, there's a frenzy, uh, a feeding frenzy. It seems like in the news, and you search for good stories, stories that have value that speak to us. And and there was one such this last week. Corey and Mark Salgert. Does anybody know them? They're from Wisconsin. I think uh, in the middle of the state somewhere. So she has 
this thing where she'll take babies that are going to die, that parents can't handle anymore. And in the last four years, she took in her home seven of those children. And they often last a month or so. And her family, she has uh, seven children of her own or, or older, and they kind of all, all help with this. Like it might be uh, uh, one that was born with part of a brain missing, or it might be all kinds of, all kinds of things, seven of them in the last four years. And I was so blessed by the story, and one of the quotes that she has is, I cannot change the fact that they're going to die, but I can sure make... I can make sure they don't have to die alone. Corey says, none of this is easy, but it's all worthwhile. And I was blessed by that and challenged by it. And I thought, I wonder what the story behind the story. I wonder why she does that there. She used to be a nurse in, in parts of her life where she'd sit with, uh, uh, we'll go to the homes of dying people. Uh, forget what they're called. Anyway, um, when she was young, her sister had uh, spiral meningitis, and she had seizures, and she got so bad that uh, the family couldn't handle her. And she had to have constant care, and she... Her family finally had to put her in a hospital or a home of some kind. And somewhere along the line, when her sister was like 10, she opened a gate that she wasn't supposed to and walked out and drowned in a pond there because she didn't know any better. And her sister was so touched by this, uh, she lives... Uh, God doesn't waste anything, and she lives a life of service in this way. And in the last four years, she took seven babies. Right now, they have Charlie. He was supposed to die within a few months, and he's soon going to have his third birthday. And uh, that's happy news. You say, how is that happy news? Well, I was so touched by somebody that is reaching out and, and what made them do that. Ecclesi- it's, so, it's such a break from politics. You've got to at least give me that. It's happy news towards the politics that we read about. Ecclesiastes. And he's been telling us one of the most important things is to get wisdom. Get wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I was thinking again of this here. I like the way he thinks, and I like the way he writes. And I was thinking of the difference between wisdom and, and knowledge. We have so many, much knowledge. We have so many facts at our disposal. But the difference between there, knowledge is facts, information, skills acquired by a person through experience or education or practical understanding of a subject. And wisdom is applied knowledge. And I keep coming back to this word obedience, and it is kind of a jump. But I keep coming back to that. Like if you have knowledge, and I looked at what Google would say, the difference between wisdom and knowledge is, 
they said knowledge is knowing that your wife's meal that she cooked tonight was really bad. And wisdom is not mentioning that. And I thought, well, yeah, there's, uh, and there's somebody else had that knowledge is knowing the fact that a tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is knowing not to put it in fruit salad. And I thought, well, yeah, that's, that's, but there's got to be something deeper than that. So I'd like to give you a, a math lesson here, especially you guys in, in the front here. Uh, if you're within three or four years, let's say, of 20, is how many of you are in one side of 20 within three or four years? Okay. So this is a math lesson. Uh, if you drive through town, it's easy to stop at Quick Trip. And, uh, and maybe you guys don't do this, but stop in at Quick Trip and get a Coke, and you're kind of hungry. Breakfast is a long time uh, ago, and... Lunch is not... So you get a Coke, and you get, what, a pack of beef jerky? Or a candy bar? And it soon costs you, cost you three bucks. And if you're not careful, it costs you five bucks. And then you go about your business, and you eat your lunch somewhere. And then in the afternoon, you forgot something, and you're getting gas. And you stop in a quick trip. And it, you get a Coke, or in my case, you get a coffee. And uh, maybe you get a Glazer or something like that. And again, it costs you 4 or $5. So if you were to cut some of that out, can you see... Or if you, you, know, you, put, you fill in the blanks. You, you stop in at Miller's. And you get a sandwich. And I don't want to talk you out of a sandwich at Miller's. That's, uh, but can you see where if you would stop some of those stops, where you could save two or, two or $3 a day? You see that? That's understandable. So at $3 a day, let's say you were to decide, you know what, some of this Coke... And beef jerky I don't need. I'm going to put $15 away every week. Okay? And let's say you're 20. And let's say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have a fund. I'm going to talk to somebody. And I've saved, worked hard last summer. And I put $1,000 in a seed money. To start that. And so I put $1,000 away. And what I'm going to do is put $15 to that every week. And I put it to a pretty good investment. And in the last 50 years, it wouldn't have been too hard. Most, a lot of them, long-term investments would have got 10%. And if you would do that from when you're 20... To when you're 70, how much money would you have? Anybody want to guess? You would have one million thirty-nine thousand and two hundred and six dollars. 
and your part of the investment would have been 36000 is how much you would have put in of your own money from the time you're 20 till the time you're 70. You would have $1 million in 39. Now, knowing that is knowledge. Those are facts. My guess is that none of you will do that. My guess is that you'll reach 70 knowing the fact that you're going to be able to less, make less of a living at 70. And that 80% of your health costs are going to come in your last three years. Knowing that, and knowing this, you're going to get the Coke and the beef jerky. I hope you like the Coke because it's costing you a million bucks. <laughs> That's three bucks a day. That's knowledge. That's valuable to know knowledge. But we can do that, all of us here, and do a spiritual analogy with that. We know these things. But the wisdom is doing them. The wisdom in our life is not that we don't know that Jesus is coming again and that he's coming soon and that the world's falling apart at the seams and that they desperately need the Christ that we represent. We know all these things, but it's not much difference maybe with us than it was with the ten virgins. Ten of them were prepared and ten of them were unprepared. All of them knew that Jesus was coming again. Wisdom is taking the information that we get from Sunday school this morning and that we get from the devotions that we're impressed upon with the songs and taking the information and the truths and the facts that the Bible has for us week after week, day after day in our lives And actually putting it to use. Actually obeying it there. Life under the sun apart from God is meaningless. I'm so uh, amazed that the wise man is so amazed that how random life is. How unpredictable it is. How there's people with health and people... Without health, and he keeps going on that in verse 9, and we covered a lot of that there. And he's amazed that, and he keeps going on about how good things and bad things happen to good people and bad people about the same. Like this week, there was a flood in that Boston, New Hampshire area, or whatever. And if there was believers and Christians on that street where that flood came, They got flooded just exactly the same as those people who don't know God, who are uh, totally unaware of God and who live their life for themselves rather than God. And uh, Solomon keeps mentioning that. And he says how random life is and how uncertain it is. 
Last time, some of the youth, we had talked about some of the verses in 9, and uh, two of the youth came to me and said, uh, what about, and brought the verse 9, or chapter 9, verse 10, to my attention. And it was, uh, I had skipped over it, but it is a favorite also of mine. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. For there is no work nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Colossians says it, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily. Do it with all ye. Live life to the fullest. Seize the day. Just, just put yourself into it. Savor life. And I used this here song before, but I so think it uh, covers these set of verses. Hold tight to the sound of the music of living. Happy songs from laughter of children at play. Hold my hand as we run through the sweet, fragrant meadows, making memories of what was today. We have this moment, is what this, uh, these set of verses is talking about. We have this moment to hold in our hands. And it just seems to, to glide on. And you know, you can take uh, one of those things that sand falls through, uh, and, and, and you can watch the sand go through it, and that's a life. That's a life. And only you can't take and flip it and go back. We have this moment, and what this verse is saying do it because there's life is so uncertain. Don't trust in, in life. Uh, and the grave where you're going, there's a lot of these things that you can't do. Now is the time. We have this moment to hold in our hand and to touch as it slips through our fingers like sand. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow may never come, but we have this moment today. Um, the, the old must die and the young will die. And I know this is a message that you're getting tired of, but this is what's in this here book. Uh, we went to that training from CAM for pastor training for uh, when there's, uh, when there's uh, storms and events and they, they put pastors in. One of the people that sat in a row across from us there, from Indiana somewhere, uh, Joe, I think they were uh, Whistler people, but... They were sitting there taking that training, uh, and right after that we got an email that they found out it was cancer, and this week she was buried there. Uh, we have this moment. is what it's, uh, That's not a gloomy picture. That's a happy picture. But right now, we have this moment. And I have to think of that. I'm old enough that, you know, we got together, and we have 11 grandchildren, and the children... And, and I just can't help, I just sit there thinking, praise the Lord, God is good. We're, we're all together there, and, but we, we just have this moment, and the sand is going through the glass, and you can't flip it in a lifetime. We have this moment, yesterday's gone and tomorrow may never come, but we have this moment today. A tiny voice that I hear is my little girl calling for daddy to hear just what she has to say. And my little son running there by the hillside may never be quite like today. Tender words, gentle touch, and a good cup of coffee. 
We have to savor life. There's quite often that the king here mentions, enjoy the good things that God has given to you because he has given them to you. And here's where some of us get uneasy. To, to be able to savor life, to enjoy the good things. He says, uh, going through our minds, uh, we're uneasy with thanking the Lord for, for something that he has given us. We think, well, take up thy cross daily. But there's two sides of it, and there's, uh, there's a gentleman that writes a book. Um, bear with me here. I think I have his name. Michael Whitmer, Worldly Saints. And he talks about how not appreciating our, uh, you know, some people want just God and not his gifts, and some people want just gifts and not his, not God, and they make a, they make a, they worship the gifts and, and that kind of thing. But God has meant, and he, he calls it another kind of idolatry, and he explains it better than I could in an hour, but, uh, where was I at here? A good cup of coffee. 21 degrees below zero. And you're sitting in a warm place and you're holding a cup of coffee and the heat of the coffee comes out and warms your hand and warms your soul. That's not wrong. You don't worship that cup of coffee but boy, you let it warm your hand and let it, because it's a gift of God. God says that food that you have and that their, that their wife that you have and those children that you have, they're a gift from God. And you should savor them and get the most out of life. He, he doesn't want you to be lukewarm. I was just looking at that when Tim was having devotions there, uh, and, and that one says about uh, God doesn't want you at all to be lukewarm, but you're supposed to grab life and enjoy it. Take the blue of the sky and the green of the forest and the gold and the brown of freshly mown hay and the pale shades of spring and the circus of autumn and weave you a lovely today. But we have this moment. And it's slipping through our hands. And sometimes we fill it with so many unimportant things. And we think, boy, when, when the farm's paid, or when this happens, or when we don't have as much work with the toddlers, or when this happens or that, we're going to have... And, and you can flip this here beautiful song about we have this moment to a song something like, uh, we're going to have a good time then. The cat's in the cradle... And, and we're going to have a good time then. Sometime. We're going, to, we're going to get serious. And we're going to savor life. And we're going to put ourselves into it sometime. After this happens. And the sand keeps running through the glass. And we don't take life and savor it. Somehow you get the picture. And it's surprising to us that are somewhat... Um, somewhat calm and quiet. It's surprising to us that God wants us to, to give it everything. He, that He doesn't like half-heartedness there. And 
And if you picture it, I can understand it because it goes through your life. If you, you know, if you're just excited about a few things that you're selfishly excited about, and I can get you talking about something, but when you sit in church or when you sing or when you, you're bored out of your mind and you're just, just, uh, you know, God wants us to, to grab every part of our life. And so, half-heartedness and indifference, you know, when you, He wants you to enjoy and savor and give it everything you got. Yeah, when you play hockey, but when you attend church, when you're kissing your wife, when you're making different uh, dinner, when you're singing, God wants you to be in the moment and He wants you to not be half-hearted about it. He wants you to give it everything. He wants you to step up to the plate and pour yourself into it because the, the wise man said, we have this moment now. And life has a, a tendency to press in on us and, and take the, the zeal and the romance and, the, and, and, and push it down and we exist. And we don't have that joy that Todd was warning us about last, uh, last Sunday. We have this moment to hold in our hands. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Another way to say that. In another translation, dead flies cause even a bottle of perfume to stink. So a little foolishness spoils great wisdom and honor. Apothecary, that word there is a person who prepares medicine and stuff like that there. And I think apparently back then perfume was so expensive it was sold more like through a drugstore or something like that there. Apothecary is just simply a person who prepares and sold medicines and so forth. The verse here, in my own words, means this. You can have a, and it's a warning for all of us. The king is warning us about this, or the wise man. You can have your act together, and you can be solid. And you can have a solid handshake, and you can look people in the eye, and you can be straightforward and do what's right. But if you make a mistake, that there is what is remembered of you. When they say that, that is what, that's what comes to be. And it's warning us of this. Because so, it's so easy for us to, to put that out of our minds or, or not be aware of that there. But when I say Bill Clinton, what comes to your mind? I'm told that he was a pretty good Organizer, pretty good president. I'm told that he makes millions speaking. And I'm told that he has a lot of strong points. But when I said President Clinton, you probably, most of you thought of his fall, of Monica Lewinsky. 
And what this verse is saying here is you can have you can be a solid person, but it doesn't take much to ruin that reputation of yours. Just just doesn't. Yeah, God forgives. I, I think of when I thought of this verse, I thought the person that's writing this, his dad was David. And I thought of David and I thought, oh, you know, what what a. What a lesson this is here as far as David's done so much good. I'm so amazed with David's life. And I'm so challenged by how brave he was and everything. And, you know, Saul said you can't possibly fight Goliath. And David, without being proud, said, yeah, I can. God, the same God that helped me fight the lion and Take the bear. He's the same God. He's going to help me fight this here uh, uncircum Philistine. I can do this. And he went from all those victories and all those things happening and all that faithfulness, all that many years of solidness. And then just one night it was Bathsheba. Come, Come over to my place. And when we think of David, we think of Bathsheba often. What the verse is saying here, what his son writes, is even perfume can't cover it. Even if you have a really good reputation, even if you're solid, and it's warning us all against this. This is, this is all of us can, can so easily, uh, in an unguarded moment, make a... a a mistake in a business transaction or whatever it is. And it, it puts a mark on us in the community. I think of a good bowl of French onion soup at a real fancy restaurant. It has, it has like toasted cheese out over the edge. And the edges are just a little brown, and it's got bread crust in under the cheese, and it's got onion soup, and you're just just right on. They they know how to make the sauce, they know how to make. But when you get to the bottom, and I won't be gross, but there's something in the soup that's going to affect the way you feel about the whole soup. And when you think about that soup, you're going to think about that, whether it wiggled or not. And you're going to, you're, you're going to write the, the top part of the soup was really good. And what this is saying is, <clears throat> as dead flies cause even a bottle of perfume to stink, a little foolishness spoils great wisdom and honor. Just a couple more verses here. To a wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left hand. And it's a different way of saying a wise man chooses the right way. What is right in this situation? And a, and a fool always takes the wrong way. When given choices, a right man chooses what's right in this what is right? Verse 3 says, 
Yea, also when he that is a fool walketh down the way, his wisdom faileth him, and he saith to everyone that he is a fool. And here's what that's saying, and I kind of agree with it many times. What it's saying is you can identify the fool just by the way they walk down the street. And I know we're not to judge, but when I see some people walking out in front of the the store there, sometimes I make a judgment. And, And I think this verse is saying you can identify the fool just by how he walks down the street. Sometimes they look like they're just looking for trouble. And the last verse that we'll take, If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. And I like another translation that I can understand better. I have, I have trouble with that there, but here's another uh, translation. If your boss is angry with you, don't quit. A quiet spirit overcometh even great mistakes. Isn't that a beautiful verse? If your boss is mad at something you've done, something you've done wrong, hang in there for a little while. And don't, Delvin was saying how we have a tendency to justify ourselves. What it's saying is don't justify yourselves, a quiet spirit. Peter says um, a meek and a quiet spirit is a great price to God. The unfading beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Isn't that an exciting verse? Isn't that one that us men need as we look at ourselves here? It's so easy to be opposite of that, frustrated and discontent when you're working with through problems or our business. And this isn't referring to your personality. You can have a person with an outgoing personality that is meek and quiet. It's a little harder for some. And it's not a lack of confidence that it's picturing here. It's not a lack of direction. It's not lacking capabilities. It's not something where this verse is calling for somebody who doesn't retort and doesn't give their side of it and doesn't and and just is quiet about it and time passes and the boss will, uh the boss will come and, and uh back that up there's nothing like a show of strength like gentleness if there's a person that hollers or a person that's belligerent or a person that really tells you their peace of mind, you don't think strength. But a quiet gentleness is a show of strength. Gentleness breeds peace, calm, and consistency of character. It's not volatile or abrupt in its responses to the world. Gentleness is strength because it remains constant and clear-minded across all manner of situations. So the verse again, if your boss is angry at you, don't quit. A quiet spirit can overcome even great mistakes. That's as far as we'll go for today. Let's kneel for prayer.